Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. You know, I think it's important to note when you catch a break in life, and I really feel like I caught a break the other day, I have been looking forward to a little bit of a vacation time for quite some time. I think we all deserve vacations. We all need vacations. I am very thankful to have one. And yet, as we were getting closer to vacation, kind of putting aside some other stuff that's been going on with my family personally, just pushing that aside, making, you know, uh, just moving that to a, to, to a different area for a minute. As we were getting closer to vacation, I was kind of doing the math in my head of, gosh, one way or another, this Todd Munkin situation that had been hanging over all of our heads for the last you know little bit was likely to culminate, I thought, while I was away. And I can't stand that because today begins some pre-recorded vacation shows for us where uh, we're going to be pre-recorded. Now, we take this very seriously because... When I am gone, I still want there to be a Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. I want the show to take place. And I value so much. This is not just lip service to me. I really do mean this. I value so much you all coming, being a part of all of this and and, and doing what we do here. So I want to have good shows while I'm gone. And the biggest impediment to a good show while I'm not here is some sort of big news breaking while, while I'm away. Now, that may still happen. You never know. You're always on guard for whatever. But I was very worried as I was stepping away for a little bit of vacation time that I would step away right as either Todd Munkin said, hey, I'm going to run it back for one more year or or officially moving on. Well, as it turns out, not happy that Todd Munkin is leaving, but if he's going to leave, I'm at least glad he announced it before I left. So now that we know that that Munkin's not here, we know that Georgia's new offensive coordinator is going to be Mike Bobo. We've talked about that plenty. I'm sure we'll talk about that some more here, too. But that is now over and done. So we at least begin our vacation programming here with a little bit of a clean slate a little bit of a kind of a fresh new start here and with that in mind i want to use the bobo thing as a little bit of a springboard for something else i think we need to discuss you know coach bobo is the newest hired uga assistant but when you make a list of the assistants that matter most the upcoming season i don't know that mike necessarily be you know right there at the top of my list necessarily I think when you look at the unique challenge that Georgia faces in terms of, you know, what it lost off its 2022 team, what it's trying to do in 2023, I think there is another collection of assistants that might matter just a little bit more. And I want to focus on them here just for a moment. And this is kind of like, I guess, two different varieties here. I want to start with kind of like the fresh new things here for a moment. Let me talk about Fran Brown. I think that Fran Brown is on my list of what we'll call the four most important UGA assistants for the upcoming year. I think that Brown has the look of being a rising star. I think that Fran Brown is really as exciting an addition to this Georgia coaching staff as maybe Kirby Smart's ever provided in the brief time that he's already been here. You know, Brown's clearly doing some really good things here for Georgia. And this year, cornerback is going to be important for the dog. You know, Keely Ringo has been a big fixture in that secondary for quite some time. Now he's moving on. Need a new starter there to go opposite Kamari Laster. And, 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 the work that Brown does is going to be really pivotal for the dogs this year. But we have plenty of reason to believe that as he takes on that arduous task this season, he does so with all of the requisite credentials to be able to succeed. Because not only has Fran, I think, proved to be a pretty good coach on the field for the dogs, he's clearly been an amazing recruiter, bringing the kind of talent that allows you to have you know, a great performance on the field. And in fact, to kind of cement the idea that Brown is not only one of Georgia's most important assistant coaches of the upcoming year, but also one of Georgia's most capable assistant coaches. Let's hear from A.J. Harris here for a moment. So Harris is the big-time five-star addition to the class of 2023. And when you talk about, well, how does Georgia get a cornerback like that, the role that Fran Brown played in this was obviously quite instrumental. So as a way of kind of bolstering the claim that Brown is important for the dogs on the field this season, let's hear from A.J. Harris, one of the main names in the class of 2023, about how Brown was already very important in recruiting. And a lot of people don't actually know how much Fran actually played a role in me becoming a dog. For me, it I would say about Two weeks after Coach Fran got the job, I'm like, okay, I want to be a dog. Because just the connection that we've built, like me and Coach Fran talked every day once he got the job, and that's no exaggeration. He reached out to me every day to make sure that I was a priority 
And it wasn't just the the casual talk. He actually got to know me past football. And that's something that, that I appreciate a lot because I'm more than just a football player. Um, I'm a man first. So just the fact that, that he cared for me past football and he just showed me the vision he had for me past, just past football, the community service hours, to helping the youth, all that really played a big role into me choosing the University of Georgia. So once he, he got the job, it played a huge role because I already had a relationship with Coach Kirby Smart. And Kirby Smart will always be in the DB room. But just to have a, another another figure like that in the room that, that just cares so deeply about all his guys and just wants nothing but the best for them and has a vision for us, that really meant a lot to me. Like I knew I was a dog about one or two weeks into Coach Fran recruiting me. Now, my point in playing that audio clip is not to necessarily say that A.J. Brown, or I should say A.J. Harris, is the next starting cornerback for Georgia. I think he will be eventually at some point in time in his career, but in the early stages of 2023, that's obviously an intense competition. So this is more about the fact that if Harris is vouching for Brown to that degree, then obviously that's a coach that you're really glad to have at Georgia. A guy that forms those kind of relationships and recruiting is also probably a very good on-field coach too. I believe that Brown is, and Georgia really needs a big contribution from him this year because of the fact that you lose a guy like Ringo has been such a big part of your story there for quite some time and I would say that Georgia is likely to get a big contribution from Fran Brown there as well similar story for Jadera Yuzo Deriba the uh, Georgia outside linebackers coach another one of these guys that much like Fran Brown you know I didn't know much about when he was first hired here and yet when you hear the uh, buzz that he's generated as uh, on the recruiting trail the the impact that he's made on this team you were led to believe also much the same way that this is a coach that people really like and this is a coach that has a chance to make a really big contribution to uga too so on my list of the four most important uh assistant coaches for georgia this season i'm going to put yuzo deribe because in the absence of nolan smith now we saw nolan leave this past season with injury but now he's not a part of the program anymore in the absence of Nolan Smith, there is a big needed outside linebacker. And I think even though George won the national championship last year, I think there is still more of a value add that can be provided from the outside linebacker position when it comes to pass rush, getting after quarterbacks and things like that. And as a coach, Yuzo Deribe may be the exact kind of guy to be able to provide that. I want to give you a little bit of a glimpse of him, too. Going back to Los Angeles, our buddy Connor Riley had a chance to speak to uh, Chud, Coach Chud there for a little bit. And... Um, interesting to hear him talk about the way that he thought his position group really stepped up after nolan smith was injured and when you think about the step up that occurred maybe for those guys this past year maybe even more talented crop of outside linebackers here in 2023 have a chance to also take a big step forward too so keep that in mind as you hear the words of jadera yuzo deribe here right now man resilient man these guys work you know regardless of who it is you know these guys prepare like like their numbers are going to be called whenever it is and you know unfortunate but it's been fortunate you know when a guy like nolan goes down you get to see a guy like chas chambliss have to step up and, and, and he shows that hey he's ready to play and in, in the games where guys like marvin where beefy has gone down and marvin jones has had to step up as well you get to see that these guys you know they, they, they take the preparation serious and it's benefiting them when they step foot on the field so man it's a resilient group for sure so good stuff from uh, Yuzo Deribe there, and he's right. Guys did step up this past season when Nolan Smith got hurt, but the notion of stepping up this upcoming year, uh, even maybe a chance to take an even bigger step forward. Marvin Jones Jr. will be a little a year older, will also be healthier after uh, dealing a little bit of shoulder injury here during this spring, an arrival of a guy like Damon Wilson, other names you could mention here, where Georgia has a chance to maybe get after quarterbacks in a way that it didn't do in 2022. And the overall personality of this defense for this upcoming season could reflect a little bit more of like what Georgia had back in 2021 when it was just really wreaking havoc seemingly on a per play basis and the coach that could propel all that to happen could be Chidera Yuzo Deribe a guy that I'm going to put on my list of one of the four most important assistants for Georgia this upcoming season I'll also say this is kind of a quick aside here too that when you look at the success that Smart has seemingly had in hiring what I would have said were unknown names prior to coming here Fran Brown who we mentioned a moment ago Chidera Yuzo Deribe we're talking about right there all the more reason, I think, that if you're trying to make an evaluation on what Kirby's also recently done in terms of hiring a name that everybody knows, Mike Bobo would be offensive coordinator, that the decision for Smart, I think, should just sort of be validated by the fact that, hey, when he's need to go out and hire a young coach that nobody has known, he has seemingly done a pretty good job doing that. And so, therefore, the same eye for talent that seems to unearth these diamonds in the rough when it comes to the young ranks of relatively unknown coaches 
when he wants to do something different than that, when he wants to go after the more experienced veteran coach, then maybe Smart also deserves a little bit of level of trust on some of that there as well. Now, speaking of veteran coaches who a lot of people know something about, let's shift gears to the offensive side of here for a moment. Let's talk about a guy who definitely fits that bill because when Stacey Sarles arrived here as offensive line coach a year ago, some Georgia fans were surprised by that. The results, though, spoke for themselves. The Georgia offensive line, I believe, was the nation's best this past season, should have won the Joe Moore Award. Maybe they will here this year. Obviously, the dogs got a big boost along the offensive line when Cedric Von Prong Granger, the center, made his decision to come back, and the coach that coaches him there along the offensive line Stacey Sarles I also believe is one of Georgia's most important assistant coaches for this upcoming season and as a way of kind of sort of leading into the Sarles conversation let me give you a little bit of an early evaluation that Van Praan offered of Sarles back this past spring shortly after Sarles had been hired the experience that Cedric had kind of going through those first months with Sarles on the job how Van Praan sort of felt that uh, Stacey was getting acclimated here at Georgia what he thought about at the time here is uh, Cedric Von Praan Granger on that. Oh, absolutely love him. Very technical guy. Uh, really smart football wise. Understands schemes. Um, a little bit different terminology because he's coming from a different school, but football is football. If he's good enough for SVP, he's obviously good enough for me there as well. And I think that after a year of great success with the Georgia offensive line, Sarrell sort of stays in the spotlight, but maybe for a slightly different reason because I do believe this offensive line for Georgia is facing an unbelievable challenge here this year. And when you look at what's going to happen at offensive tackle where Roderick Jones leaves after being really one of the best players probably in college football this past year Warren McClendon leaves after being a fixture of bedrock along this offensive line and someone that was almost so good you never really think about him because he was just doing his job so effectively that there was really no spotlight on that side of the field there at all with both those tackles now gone you know the idea of moving Amarius Mims whether it's to the left tackle position but certainly in the role that a guy like Broderick Jones would have occupied and maybe getting Ernest Green ready is that sort of next man up there along that offensive line that's a pretty big challenge for Stacey Sarles and I would say this year for all the attention that new quarterback gets for all the attention that new offensive coordinator gets the Georgia offensive line could really be the catalyst for determining how far this offensive line can go here this season. So on my list, most important assistants, I think Stacey Sarles has got to be there. Now, based on the way this offensive line performed last season, you got to have some confidence that Coach Sarles can get it done again. But in terms of guys who face the biggest job because of who they lost and what needs to go on there, uh, no doubt Stacey Sarles a, a huge part of that. Then one more name to give you here. And this is a guy who, by almost any estimation, has been knocking it out of the park now for Georgia for quite some time, both as a recruiter and the on-field performance. But the task, pretty big for the upcoming season there, too. Let's talk about Todd Hartley. Todd Hartley has stacked the kind of talent in Georgia tight end in, in the Georgia tight end room that at one point in time maybe would have seemed unimaginable, but it's a very obvious reality of the dogs right now, much to the chagrin of uh, most of their opponents. But one of the big names that Hartley helped bring here is not here anymore. It's Darnell Washington. And on the list of guys who made just gigantic contributions to Georgia this past season, boy, I think on any list, no matter how short it is, Darnell Washington's got to be there, both in terms of his ability to catch the ball, but also the stuff that he does in the running game there as well. And Todd Hartley this year has got to get somebody ready to do something close to that because obviously alongside Brock Bowers, Georgia still wants to play multiple tight end sets as much as it possibly can. We believe that Oscar Delp's going to be a big part of this, but it's important to note if it is Delp kind of in the Washington role, just how pivotal that Washington role was a year ago. In fact, let's go back to the Missouri game. Uh, Kirby Smart talking about uh, Darnell Washington, how effective he was, and keep this in mind as Kirby brags on Darnell somebody's got to do this stuff for the dogs this year too this is what kirby said way back then couldn't agree more i mean a lot of credit goes to darnell and stetson showing confidence in him to, to throw the ball in his area code you know and he goes and gets it and uh you know people don't give this guy enough credit but darnell was one of the leaders in that locker room that was you know said i, I want to run the ball get behind me let me let me move people you know there's, there's a play out there where he absolutely on brock bowers screen for the I thought it was a touchdown but it got to like the one foot line that Darnell just destroys a guy you know there's 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 no value you can put on that so that is Kirby Smart on Darnell Washington putting the running game on his back challenging uh you know George hey let's go out there and run it I'm gonna lead the way let's go out there and get that done that is a selfless level of play that Darnell Washington provided to Georgia 
all season long and I don't know that anyone obviously fills those shoes, even someone who's as impressive as a prospect as uh, Oscar Delp is. But Georgia can't be Georgia if someone's not doing something similar to what Washington did a year ago. And the job that Todd Hartley faces this year is getting that next tight end up ready to be able to contribute the way that Darnell Washington did so effectively to go alongside Brock Bowers here for this upcoming year. We believe that obviously Hartley can get that done. But on the list of big guys that have to be replaced, obviously Washington's one of the biggest. Physically, he is the very biggest. And the challenge faces Todd Hartley to be able to do that. So I'd be curious what your list is. That's mine. You could have put different guys in there for different reasons but i'll give you two on uh, offense todd hartley stacy serrells two on defense fran brown uh Gennaro yuzo deribe georgia trying to rebuild a roster to go after another national championship or as we say around here go for three and 23 some very impressive assistant coaches a big part of the process for how the dogs hope to be able to get that done my name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Presented today by Kroger, and happy to have you with us. Pre-recorded vacation show for us. Uh, we don't try to trick you on that or anything like that, but we still try to work our hardest to give you the best show we can across all the video platforms. Normally 9.45 for dognation.com. or 10 a.m. on that platform here right now, along with Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Of course, Radio Noon, still on the radio. App and Sports Radio 960 The Ref Podcast, wherever you find them, Apple, Spotify, WorldFamousDogNation.com. Just really happy to have you as a part of the program. And a big thanks to our friends at Kroger for making all of this possible. And a big thanks to Kroger there as well for simplifying our life and saving us money and all the great things they're doing, including this cool new thing I want to tell you about here. that You can go digital. You can save even more money when you're shopping right there at your local Kroger. You can create an account on the Kroger app or the website and get big, exclusive digital coupons. What a great way to save money. Cool thing there. Kroger.com slash sign up for more on that. That is Kroger.com slash sign up for more on that. All right, we're going to get Jeff Sintel here coming up in a moment, and we're going to do something a little bit different with some of our guests here. I've never really done this on a pre-recorded vacation show, but I think it's going to be fun. So we're going to talk to some of these guys about some sort of broader topics that would we maybe not have as much time to do if it was in sort of a normal time of the year. We're doing the show live or reacting to the news. So we're going to kind of stretch this out a little bit some memories from the last two seasons for Georgia, some looks back on the all-time great players in this program's history. We're going to have a good time doing a lot of that here coming up in just a moment with Jeff today, and then, of course, with all of our guys over the course of the next few days there as well. But for now, I want to go around the doghouse here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger today. And speaking of Georgia assistants, I wanted to put a spotlight on another guy here just for a moment. I gave you a list a moment ago who I believe my four most important for the upcoming season are going to be. But I also want to kind of follow up here for a moment because a lot has been made lately of the defensive coordinator plays at Georgia, co-defensive coordinator, if you will, of Will Muschamp, Mike Bobo, newly hired offensive coordinator going along with Kirby Smart. And the triumvirate there, all three Georgia grads, all three, you know, just a big part of that sort of DGD community. They love uh, UGA. They love their alma mater. And that's one of the things that a lot of people are very proud of when you look at those coaches at Georgia here right now. But I wanted to make you aware of something. On a day we're talking about Georgia assistant coaches and things like that, when you talk about former dogs who love their alma mater and love being a part of this program, another guy you got to have on that list is also Brian McClendon there as well, the uh, wide receivers coach. And this is a you know a couple of weeks old now, but I haven't had a chance to play it for you here. And I think it's worth considering here just for a moment that I had a chance to interview McClendon going back to our time in Los Angeles, the national championship game. And I came away very impressed with him right there. Now, some of this may feel just slightly dated because, like I said, it's kind of leading the national championship. But you got a little bit on uh, the new transfer wide receivers coming into the program here. And also the thing I really want you to hear, which is the fact that on a list of Georgia coaches right now where a lot of guys can hold their hand in the air and saying, hey, I love my alma mater. I love these dogs. I want to win for the university that I've loved for a long, long time. Brian McClendon's on that list there as well. So as a part of Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger today as we're around the doghouse, let me let you hear a brief interview that I conducted with McClendon that I think really drives that point home. Take a look and listen at this. Kirby told a great story about you stepping up and speaking to the team on Friday night before the Peach Bowl. You know, what was your message and how important did you think it was for your group, your wide receivers, to go out there and have a big performance against TCU the other day? Uh, As you say last day. Sure. I, I'll say this. I think um, really Coach did a great job of, of having everybody kind of going and putting everybody on the same page. And, and uh, me talking was really just one of the pieces. It really was really just one of the pieces. I think uh, a lot of credit goes needs to go to these guys. Uh, and the hard work that they've done, 
and the hard and the, and all the stuff that they put themselves through to get to this moment. Um, I mean, you feel really, really proud for these guys that just put themselves in this situation. I thought pound for pound it may be the best performance we've seen from Georgia wide receivers in quite some time. I thought it was really one of the stories of the game. Did you feel that way there as well? As a coach, you always got things I'm sure you should sure, improve. Sure. But I felt like your group really yeah. put a stamp on that game Saturday night. Yeah, I think uh, the guys that, that came out there and did a good job. Um, I mean, we, we, we know, man, that, that we're responsible for way more than just catching the football. Uh, we're responsible for making sure, man, that, that, that we do our job. And we feel like if we do our job in general, whether it's catching or not, uh, then that'll greatly impact the game. And I feel like, man, we do. We, we, those guys have done a good job of embracing that and understanding that and, and wanting to be one of the pieces on why we go out there and play well. As a Georgia guy, what does it mean for you to be – you're contributing to the success, but you're also experiencing sure. it too, right? That's right. What does it mean to you to watch what this program is right now? We're in L.A. Yeah. We're about to play for national That's right. again on That's Monday. Right. That's What's right. that like for you? Uh, it's, it's awesome. Um, I mean, I said this actually, man, right when I first got back was that – you know, for a lot of people, you know, this might be their occupation, but this is, this, you know, this is this is home for me. And so, uh, but but it's not just me, you know, starting from the head coach with, you know, Coach Martin, where Coach Muschamp, Coach Bobo, I mean, just Jonas Jennings, just so many people that's a part of the program uh, to help make sure that we do everything we can we can do, man, to make this to keep this a special place. And so, um, I mean, you know, like I said, but not but not just outside of those guys, just we have people that. I mean, we just got a great staff. We got a great staff. We got we got great people here. Um, those guys have done a good job of, of keeping uh, the, the kids as the main focus. And, um, I mean, you know, just like I said, and those kids have done a really good job of pouring into everything that we've had them do and do everything that we can do, man, to, to go out there and play with. It would be inappropriate for me to ask you a question like anything other than one day. Here I go. Uh, you guys going to the transfer portal for a couple of very experienced SEC wide receivers. You know, what does Dominic Love and what does Rob Thomas going to bring to this team for next year? Sure. I think uh, the first thing they do, they, I mean, they're just great people. Um, they're, they're good people. And when you have that couple with the ability that they have, that's when you feel like guys have the opportunity to, to do a lot of special things. And so we're, we're way more excited about them as people as just as much we are uh, as, as players. But, um, I mean, we feel like we hit the jackpot with those two guys. You know, those guys come in and had to play well and, and have played well versus the, against the exact same competition that we play week in and week out. Last thing, do you think experience receiver next year is even more important because you guys will be breaking in a new starter quarterback? Uh, I think um, – it definitely helps, you know. It definitely helps as far as the importance of it. I just feel like, I mean, that won't change. Everybody needs to do their job and do what they can do to be one of the pieces while we do well. So, if you don't take anything away from this topic, this show here today, take this. Georgia seems to be in pretty good hand with its crop of assistant coaches here right now. A lot of attention being paid to new offensive coordinator, but beyond that, Brian McClendon working with wide receivers, collection of young up-and-coming names on defense. Good time to be a dog fan as they chase a third straight national championship with a crop of coaches certainly more than capable of being able to get that done. We'll make that around the doghouse here on our program here today. Also, normally on Fridays, we give a big shout-out to our friends at the Finished Long Drink. Typically, we do our big finish where we kind of uh, celebrate you enjoying the Finished Long Drink. Just know this, that while I am on my vacation right now, I'm probably enjoying a nice ice-cold can of the Finished Long Drink probably there, too. It looks like a beer, and I'm sure if somebody sees me holding it, they'll think it's a beer, but it's actually a ready-to-drink cocktail right there in the can. You like mixed drinks, you'll love the finished long drink. Go to thelongdrink.com and sort of see the all the four different finished long drink varieties, the blue can, the grapefruit flavor, the gin kick, uh, long drink cranberry, long drink strong, and half percent alcohol by volume. I know y'all like that. Long drink zero, no carbs, no sugar. Just put in your zip code there at thelongdrink.com, and you can find out where you can pick some up today. Uh, I think it's a really good thing, and I think you're going to really, really love it. And of course, we love doing our big finish here normally on Fridays on uh, Dog Nation Daily. We'll give them a little bit of a shout out here this week there as well as I am enjoying some finished long drink while I'm away on vacation. Now, speaking of enjoying things, hope you enjoyed Jeff's Intel right now. Fun show to roll on after that. Uh, we're going to do a good job. We're going to work hard for you, give you some great pre-recorded shows. And it continues with Jeff's Intel here right now on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insight. Always a great pleasure to have Jeff Sintel here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, and even uh, better knowing that I've got some vacation time coming up. Jeff, good enough to accommodate my schedule with some pre-recorded action here, so I'm always happy about that. And Jeff, you and I will kind of have the unusual position of reacting to something pretty immediately that our audience has now had a couple of days to process. That's the fact that Todd Munkin is out on his way to Baltimore's offensive coordinator. Mike Bobo is in, back in the same job that he once held. 
And obviously, there's some reverberations on this when it comes to UJ recruiting. We've seen Bobo out recruiting a lot for Georgia already this offseason. So let me kind of begin right there. What is, I guess, the most tangible way in which Bobo as offensive coordinator is going to impact UGA's recruiting efforts? I think what it is is this, I guess, what we would call, and I guess this perpetuates the narrative a little bit about um, Kirby playing chess, Brandon. But it's just kind of been a move that he had like four or five uh, turns coming back. I mean, you hear a lot of things how Bobo started taking a more active role, and like the tea leaves were reading a certain way on Buster Faulkner, and then with even priorities like Dylan Riola. Um, you know, they know all about uh, Mike Bobo, and he's got a track record. He's proven. Uh, I think it, it's going to fit what Georgia wants to see out of a Kirby Smart team and what Kirby Smart wants to see out of his team, run game balance. Um, and I think everybody wants to everybody wants to judge that Bobo narrative, I think, a little harshly because we've never really seen uh, Mike Bobo's offenses yet with Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp and Glenn Schumann's defenses and I think if most people feel if Georgia can stack up the 40 points per game, uh, which they did in peak Bobo years, um, with probably less talent, especially all across the board, than what uh, Kirby Smart's teams will have now, and you compare it with a defense that only averages giving up about 18, 15, 20 points a game, I think that's going to go along pretty swimmingly for Dog Nation. Uh, recruiting's going to be great. Um, I actually think this. everybody associates Bobo with uh, Matt Stafford, maybe because of recruiting ties to Riola. But I pretty strongly associate Bobo with Aaron Murray as well. And those were great years for Georgia. And you know the connection there with Gunnar Stockton as well, Brandon. That's one that kind of rang bells for me when uh, they started going together. I mean, George Bobo, Mike's father, has been Gunnar's quarterback coach for forever. And uh, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at all to see uh, a guy like Gunnar Stockman do some Aaron Murray type things for Georgia a little bit down the road in the years to come. So you mentioned Dylan Rayola, so let's park on that for a moment. Bobo instead of Munkin. Does that make Georgia's chance with the Rayola better, the same, worse? In the Rayola recruitment in particular, how does the switch out for Munkin and Bobo impact that? Yeah, I think with, with Riola, I think it's going to be turning up a, a two, couple few more degrees from where it was. I, I think they know um, the relationship with uh, Matthew Stafford. That was Matthew Stafford's OC at Georgia. I think they know what Bobo can do. I think they've got a, a glowing recommendation um, from Bobo's skills as a play caller and a quarterback developer. And uh, I, I really think uh, when you look at Georgia, a lot of these big names, Brandon, it's not like it was a few years ago when a coordinator moved at this program or this program could spell doom for a recruitment. Man, this is a totally different uh, part of college football. We see Nick Saban basically play merry-go-round or musical chairs with his coordinators, and he keeps stacking up talent. He keeps stacking up big wins and championships for the trophy case. So I think you're going to see this a lot with Georgia. The one thing that I think we had to understand is Georgia is winning at an unprecedented rate. And normally in college football, when you win at a pretty good rate, uh, your coordinators get picked off or your coaches get picked off. And you have Munkin going to the NFL. You got an NFL background previously. I think it was just, um, for lack of a worse pun, just smart planning to line up Bobo behind Munkin. And, you know, also for a time there, there was Falcon behind Munkin, Mm -hmm. Faulkner behind Munkin, so. This just goes to show it, it really feels like when it comes to his coaches and his coordinators, it looks like Kirby Smart seems like the ultimate Boy Scout right here, always being prepared. So here's something I want to do with our Vacation Week shows here. I'm going to do this with Connor Riley and Mike Griffith later on next week when they join us. I'm going to ask some sort of survey-style questions, you know, kind of like just kind of get the sort of, you know, the general impression of how maybe Dog Nation views some of what has gone on, some of what will go on, and I want to start with this, Jeff. When you look back on the last two years for Georgia, I'm going to ask this to both Connor and Mike next week. I've asked Dog Nation Daily uh, listeners and viewers kind of weigh on this there as well. What do you think the most – let me start with this. What do you think the most indelible memory of the 2022 season is? If you had to kind of sort of zero it down to like one image, one moment, how do you think the 2022 season is going to be remembered? Wow, that's a good question. Um I've got a lot of them because I know a lot of these players and I know a lot of what they 
they strive to be and what they hope to accomplish. Uh, I, I think a lot, a lot for me will just come, come across storyline. I think, I think the Stetson storyline, um, rings true. You see him really making it look easy a lot of times. I think one of the burned in memories of my, of my mind is probably two. I'll give you two, Brandon. Two immediate come to mind. One okay. is it's like Stetson rolling into the end zone and, and just the way this team celebrated together, Brandon. It's going to be rare for any team to win like this, but Oh, go ahead, man. I don't know if I've ever seen football teams ever. It, it's almost like you watch them celebrate each other's successes and glories, Brandon, and you wonder, the more times these players are caught on film celebrating, that's one less stadium stare they have to do in the offseason, the up and down Stafford Stadium, because it looks like they're celebrating like they've got physical conditioning, um, awaiting it or riding on it. And I, I think the second one, this is a small little story, but for me it kind of means everything. I loved watching Zion Logan this year, and it, it's the epitome of this football team. He was the guy that wore number 96, but, oh, Jack Podlesny also wore 96. So an extra point, this six foot five, 315-pound defensive tackle would have to don the jersey number 44. And, like, the operation time on that is basically whatever Georgia got around the 30, he was putting this jersey on. Uh, luckily, Georgia had such great red zone efficiency, but he – he dutifully, Brandon, took the jersey off, and then it took about four guys to get the jersey off of him. He did it off. He did it on. He did it so many times, Brandon. He had more wardrobe changes than Beyonce at one of her concerts, man. But that, to me, Zion Logue, defensive lineman doing that, being selfless, his teammates knew that he would do it for every special team if he had to. I think that just says what Georgia has got going right besides what they're doing on the scoreboard. All right, so beyond that, I think that's an interesting answer. But beyond that, now let's break, bring both championship seasons together here. So we don't know what the future holds. Maybe Georgia wins another national championship. But right now, we at least know this. We're in the back-to-back era for national championships. One moment that defines this two-year run. Is it from 21? Is it from 22? What is the one moment that stands out for you more than any other for the two-year run that Georgia has been on? That one's easy. It takes me a nanosecond to do it. Brandon, it's the culmination of the glories of the past with the glories of the future. That's when Coach Vince and Kirby Smart were swept up and embracing on Lucas Oil Stadium um, after the first championship and the drought had been broken. That connected it all for me from 1980 to 2021, and it set the stage for Georgia going forward. Brandon, that's probably my all-time favorite Georgia memory right now. Great answer for sure. And speaking of the history, so here's the other question I'm going to be kind of asking everybody here this week. And um, the genesis for this a little bit is the A.J. Green retirement. Uh, We had some dog fans who were like, hey, when you're talking about the history of Georgia football, you're not talking about Champ Bailey enough. And so, you know, just trying to kind of process this and do how people kind of do sometimes the concept of the Mount Rushmore where you only got room for four faces. So if we do kind of a Mount Rushmore thing here for a moment, and I can only give you four. So if you don't want to give me four, that's fine. But you can't give me nine. You got to give me, you know, uh, a small handful of guys that are undoubtedly the best players that have ever come through this program here. If I ask you for four, we're going to keep it to players only here for right now. Who do you know for sure is on your Mount Rushmore of Georgia players? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, the politician in me wants to go for eras, but I'm just going to keep it real. I think you name, you should probably need to name Stetson Bennett. You should name Herschel Walker. You should name, uh, this one's tough. Uh, I think I'm going to have to go, uh, Frankie Sinkwich, uh, uh, the third and the fourth one, kind of an all encompassing guy. You got to get a guy that was not just good, but had awards and had laurels. Um, and this one might be an outlier for some, but I think I'd go Pollock with his uh, yeah. All-American resume and what he's done. I, I think you could, you know, if you want to get me uh, in front of a Coca-Cola or a tasty beverage and you want to debate it back and forth, uh, the other names I thought of there for that fourth slot, the first three came pretty easy, but the fourth slot would be Charlie Trippy. Uh, it would be uh, Bill Stanfield, or it also would be Champ Bailey. I mean, those were the three. I mean, there's a lot of, I think you're right about, there's probably eight, that uh, you can name for the four. I think two are now very easy. Probably three are very easy. Uh, but there's about eight or nine names you could name without someone uh, getting offended or wondering what cave you've been living in or what era you're forgetting. 
you need to go rush more dogs these days. Yeah, I think here's what it kind of comes down to is is that, you know, for our younger folks, and obviously you'd have to be, I mean, pretty much no one in our audience, you know, maybe saw Sinkwitch or, or Trippy Play. That's kind of a long time ago now. But for folks who maybe don't even know who they are, it's sort of worth reading up on them because in their own way, both uh, Trippy and Sinkwitch were very, very good players. And in the case of, you know, Trippy, an amazing story, too. You know, it's worth reading up on them. But, Jeff, I think it's also worth asking the question of, you know, 1942, 1946, has enough time passed, has enough history for Georgia sort of progressed that the 40s guys have kind of dropped off a little bit now that, you know, because there is this new era of back to back national championships that sort of moved off the, you know, the 1942 national champs, although it's kind of cool that Georgia has a logo for that for that team now, which I love, you know, you know, Trippy is the number one overall pick at the end of the 46 season. Is it one of those things where, you know, guys who were very deserving, but now we're coming up on it almost being a century ago that 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 maybe their accomplishments for Georgia football just sort of drop off and more contemporary names have now kind of taken their place? Yeah, I think the best way to answer that, Brennan, if you offered me a mulligan, is I think probably the way to answer that, not just politically, but just the most accurate way to do it is, remember, the 40s and the 50s and the 60s were largely before the SEC was integrated and you had, you know, the best football players in the country. I almost feel like the Rushmore needs to happen modern era and then maybe, you know, pre-1970 or something like that. Just because the time stamps are so different, the offenses are so different, the players are so different, um, there's, there's much fewer uh, dollars allocated to the business of college football uh, back then as it is now. There was a lot more amateurism. It's that, um, you know, players would go off the war and then they would come back or they would moonlight and go on to be drafted professionally in the baseball rank. I mean, to me, I think there's probably a cutoff where you rank Georgia players and you do it from, I don't know, maybe you might even include, you, you probably need to do it from 1970 prior and then you probably need to do it from 1970 on. Of course, some people will start splintering that and start taking, you know, well, maybe it's 80 and 80 and backwards or 85 and backwards, like the Dooley era and back. I mean, the farther we get ahead in time, the, the more foggy a lot of these memories are going to be. But I hate that, Brandon, because the people like 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 Jake Scott, for instance, or, yeah. you know, the name I threw out there, Bill Stanfield, or, you know, there's so many great Georgia Bulldogs that were absolutely the man. I don't think Terry Ho gets enough credit. I don't think the 1976 team gets enough credit. They got Coach Dooley to shave his head. I, I just don't think um, I don't think those years will ever be represented um, as well as they should, considering all the great. You know, Johnny Roush is another player. Where you have, if you start talking about that guy, and you're like, let's start talking about Franz Harkinson or Johnny Roush or Zeke Bradkowski. You know, we start talking about those names. I don't know if there's enough respect on these days anymore. And I don't think it's just old timer or new timer. I just think, you know, these are days that Google something up that the YouTube highlights are just not there. And you need like talking heads comparing greats to say, you know, this guy and this guy and this guy. But, you know, those are, I mean, that's the bedrock of this great Georgia football program. You remember, I remember those hundred year passes where um, I think it was the 1992 season, I believe. That's right. Um, where, you saw 100 years of Georgia football, and you were just like, oh, my gosh, 100 years. And, you know, Brennan, you think about it, what are we now? Um, we're almost 140 now. We're almost, yeah. 100, we're, almost a, we're almost 150 now. When you start doing the math and you got 18 plus 23, that's 41. We're nine years away from 150 years of Georgia football, which is crazy to think about. Well, that's not right, is it? Is that right? I believe so. Uh, uh, 1992 and eight is uh yeah okay so it's, it's so we're at 31 not 41 yes yeah, I, I, I graduated high school in 95 i've been out of high school for 50 years <laughs> now off the time my head i'm not sure how long i have been out but uh hopefully it's not a half century but i i get the overall point that you're making and i think the lesson here is neither one of us should be trying to do math in our head as we're doing this interview necessarily but it is a fun and fascinating yeah, conversation a conversation i certainly appreciate that jeff i know you've got some great stuff uh at dognation.com with some uga recruiting there too and we'll get ready to talk to you again next friday there as well when i believe you'll also be enjoying your own vacation time so um good stuff jeff we'll look forward to talking to you then thanks for being with us here today yeah you got me thinking brandon you want me to ask i know you're programming your you're scheduling out your programming with your answers but 
You got to give me a li- give me a little hint. Like, who's the hardest name for you to put on your fort? Can you give me that? Give me the hardest name, not the easy name. Who's the hardest name for you to put on your rush? So I'm sort of finalizing mine based on what all of you say. Um, I think the one person I kind of want to stand on the table for a little bit. I'll, I'll give you two things really quick. First of all, I do think some of our audience who has made the case that Champ Bailey is underrated, they may be right because um, I am not hearing as much because I will let people behind the curtain. I'm recording some of our stuff out of order here, so I've actually already heard a little bit of what Mike and Connor have had to say, and no one has definitively made the case for Champ Bailey to be on the top four, the Mount Rushmore. That might indicate that he truly is um, – truly is underrated so i'll say that and also a guy that i kind of want to stand on the table for a little bit hard to get him on there because there's only room for four the guy that i kind of want to stand on the table for a little bit's nick chubb mm. it's gonna be hard wow yeah you got a lot of running back the way through right there but i i think i think with both of those brandon there's not no especially considering recency bias a little bit or even the 80s there's no great achievement because like the way i look at these players brandon a lot of times my tiebreaker in my mind is it not just how great you were, how highly you were drafted or, you know, how talented you were overall. If you have a pro career, we can't do that. And this is not, uh, this is Georgia Rushmore and not what you do on Sundays or whatever. Yeah. But for me, I've got to look at these players as, as what they brought Georgia, what they won. It's almost like when you define truly great players and there's probably 40 for Georgia. When you think about it, it, it is what you accomplished and not just how talented you were, because otherwise you're going to start bringing in most talented and you start bringing in names like Richard Seymour and, you know, another guy like that, that you sit there and everybody tried out, you know, at Porter Payne, House of Payne right now, and they were all in their prime as Georgia Bulldogs. Well, you have a lot of people that would make that team, no doubt about it, but there's no way they're going to make this four. I mean, even, even names like Andrew Thomas, even names sure. like, um, you know, there's lots of names, Brennan, and Roquan Smith. I mean, yeah. It's almost to the point where it's going to get really hard to name the all-time best linebackers in a minute, Brandon, because you might have a Rushmore just for Georgia linebackers as time goes by here. But we said too much, but it was a great great chance to talk about some of that stuff. All right, good stuff, Jeff. We'll talk to you again next week. Take it easy, buddy. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Boy, what a great treat it is to have Jeff Sintel here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by uh, Kroger here today. Always a fun conversation with him there on that. We'll get a chance to do that again next Friday, too. Uh, Jeff, good enough to do two of these interviews. I mean, really, that's going to be kind of fun here the next few days, getting a chance to hear from each of those Dog Nation personalities a couple of different times. So we're basically going to give all of our former players, John Stinchcomb, I think John's on vacation anyway, but John Stinchcomb, Terrence Edwards, Jake Fromm, we'll give them all the week off and then bring them back again next week. So we'll ask double duty from each of our uh, Dog Nation folks as – I enjoy a little bit of vacation time this week. And by the way, speaking of vacation time, Royal Caribbean cruise ships. So right now, as you're hearing the sound of my voice, I'm getting ready to get on Wonder of the Seas, largest cruise ship in the world. So excited about this seven night sailing. We're going to Nassau on the Bahamas. I'm going to Perfect Day, Coco Cay, the great private island. We're going to Jamaica. We're going to a private destination there in Haiti. It's called Labity. It is just an unbelievable experience. My family, we've been looking forward to this for like a year. It seems like way. We talk about it all the time. And now the moment has finally arrived. So we are obviously so excited about this. And I, if I could wish anything for you in your life, it'd be that, that you have the same kind of sense of anticipation, the same kind of sense of fun that we have being on board Wonder of the Seas that we're getting a chance to be on here this week. Now, I'm obviously grateful to all of you who've allowed me to be away for all of this. Uh, but especially grateful for the chance to enjoy this time with my family. Just something we all just sort of feel like we need. We've kind of been through a lot here lately, and of course, we're no different than anybody else. Everybody sort of feels the same way, so we're very, very excited about unplugging, kind of getting away from things here for a little while, and just coming back, batteries charged, tanned, rested, and ready for everything that comes up after that. So with that said, go ahead and uh, make your own plans to have your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. You know, Jessica Slater, that's a travel agent I've told you about before, great agent. She's worked closely with uh, my wife and me on our uh, Royal Caribbean cruise vacations. She can do the same thing for you there as well. So give her a call, 770-718-9147, 770-718-9147. She's also the agent that has been trusted to kind of get us going on our Dog Nation cruise in april and uh for more on independence of the seas and the experience we're going to have there in april make sure you check out royaldogs.com for a lot more on that that is royaldogs.com for more on that okay so for our sec throughs here right now 
this is what we're going to do for the next few days. We're going to kind of lay the groundwork since I am pre-recorded. We are on vacation. Kind of lay the groundwork here for um, what the SEC is going to look like in 2023. And there's a bunch of different devices we've used to sort of do this over the course of time. But for the next few days, here's what we're going to do. I am going to ask one big question about every SEC team other than Georgia. Obviously, we spend the rest of the show talking about Georgia. But um, it is one big question for every SEC team. We're going to do this over the course of the next few days. And when we're done with this, this will be a few-minute period of time. When we're done with this, we ought to have a pretty good snapshot of what this league is going to look like both this season and maybe a little bit at the end about the, uh, the, the, the future there too. So we're going to start here today with those lousy, stinking Gators the Florida Gators. And this is a topic we touched on uh, one day or earlier this week, but in the context that we're doing here right now, it is the big question facing Florida, which is, can Billy Napier avoid the hot seat? Uh, Adam Rittenberg, ESPN.com, wrote about this. We talked about it on a Tuesday show, the idea that when you start thinking about Florida with the potential anyway of another losing season and the issues facing the Gators that while it would seem hard to imagine that he might lose his job after this year, there is that thought of, well, you got to be careful that you don't do something this season that kind of propels you onto the hot seat for the future. And to me, this is what it comes down to. As it stands right now for Florida, there is no obvious heir apparent at quarterback. Not that Anthony Richardson is necessarily all that difficult to replace, to be frank, but there is no obvious heir apparent at quarterback here right now. That, that Graham Mertz comes in from Wisconsin does not come in with much fanfare. You understand why that is. Jack Miller has been a part of this program. You know, uh, that's also a guy that after transferring in has not necessarily made much of a name for himself. So that is not exactly the most distinguished quarterback battle. And obviously there's another transfer portal that opens up post spring practice. But at that point, you're asking a guy who, you know, you know, wasn't a part of your spring practice program just for stepping in the summer and maybe eventually emerge as your starter. Hard to imagine that's necessarily going to be an easy transition to make. So one of the reasons why I would say that there's not a ton of optimism for year two for Billy Napier at Florida, you really have to look no further than the quarterback position to kind of understand why that is. But that might not be the only issue the Gators are dealing with on the field here right now. You've also got concerns, I would say, with the offensive line. They have had a lot of departures from that program offensive line, and that was one of the things they probably did better than not a year ago, uh, but but it seems like they're destined to be thinner up front than they were uh, this past year. That could be a problem there as well. You know, you know, pretty clearly, you don't see even though you know Napier brought in decent number of four star prospects this class of twenty twenty three. You don't you don't necessarily see uh, a lot of incoming freshmen that sort of step onto the field and kind of change the game just by their mere presence. Uh, so I would say that that right now Billy Napier is dealing with a lot of issues, a lot of spotlight on him, a lot of tough questions being asked about exactly what he can do to kind of right the ship here in 2022. Now, listen, I, lo- I love sort of making fun, of, or I should say 2023. I love making fun of Florida. I love all this kind of stuff. I'll also acknowledge that a great deal of impatience is probably not a great idea. The Florida fans probably need to have a little bit of that impatience. And when you go out and hire a guy from that sort of group of five category, you are asking for him to kind of learn on the job here briefly. Uh, Florida fans didn't want to necessarily consider that when Napier was hired, but that probably is just the reality of the situation. So I would say in what is the final year of divisions in the SEC, the final year of getting to take advantage of an SEC East schedule that's a little softer than sometimes what you get in the SEC West, what happens for a Napier in year two and what he does to kind of avoid the critics and kind of keep himself off the hot seat, that is a big question to be uh, answered. Now, another one in the SEC West here for a moment. Let's look at LSU. The big question for me on LSU is, and a lot of this kind of stems from what we saw from the Tigers against George in the SEC championship uh, this past year. The question kind of comes down to, should LSU consider playing two quarterbacks this season? Because as it stands right now, uh, Garrett Nussmeyer has not transferred out of this program. They did lose uh, Walker Howard, young quarterback, out of the program. But Nussmeyer, I think, based on the way that he played in the SEC championship, I think he probably thinks he has a chance to win this job, has a chance to emerge as the LSU starting quarterback. But even if he doesn't, Jane Daniels coming back healthy, if Daniels kind of re- regains his spot, remains the LSU starter, isn't there a case to be made that what LSU can do with Daniels, who's 
very, very accomplished running quarterback, Nuss Meyer, who showed the ability to throw the football against Georgia in the uh, SEC championship, that LSU could be a more dangerous version of itself if you're causing opposing defenses to have to think about both of these guys over the course of a, of a game, two completely different game plans, two completely different styles of preparation to get ready for those quarterbacks. And listen, there have, haven't been a lot of times in my life when I've necessarily argued for what you sort of think of as the two-quarterback system. I guess, you know, I kind of grew up in the age which the old cliche was born, which if you have two quarterbacks, maybe you don't have a quarterback. But in the case of, you know, Daniels and Nussmeyer, they are so different. We have seen, you know, you know, probably more teams kind of you know get away with kind of the two quarterback thing from time to time. Anyway, for an LSU team, it's sort of looking for that edge that allows it to sort of keep itself ahead of Alabama. And if they were to get a rematch with Georgia, finding a way to keep that closer when you get there. Two quarterbacks that bring the differences that that both Nussmeyer and 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 Daniels bring to the table. That could be one of those things. If you're Brian Kelly, you at least have to consider that for the upcoming year. Uh, you know, I'll say it this way, and um. You know, there was a lot about LSU and Brian Kelly in year one that I don't know that I necessarily bought into right away. And to see in the aftermath of the season, the kind of early predictions that had sort of LSU as the top 10 team and and, and kind of a better team in year two under Kelly than they even were in year one. I have to say I was pretty skeptical about a lot of that for quite some time. But the closer we get to spring practice, the closer we get kind of post signing day, post transfer portal the more you start to consider that there is actually a good bit to like about this LSU roster right now, and there are some opportunities for for LSU to even build off of uh, of what it did year one. The, some of the issues that have existed with Alabama, some of the uncertainty with other SEC West programs creates that opportunity for LSU. I, I think they stand as one of the most interesting teams in the entire SEC, and when you're making that list, that admittedly is not a very long one right now, but the list of teams that could be at least some threat to Georgia, that could make things a little tough on Georgia in the event they get a chance to play the Dogs, I think LSU has to probably be on that list there a bit. We saw them play in the SEC Championship a year ago, could potentially be destined for a rematch, and maybe if I'm Brian Kelly, I, I try to find a way to get both Daniels and Nussmeyer involved in the game plan as a way of making all that happen. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. All right, so uh, great stuff. Now, as we do our pre-recorded shows this week, I will tell you, we're going to take a little bit of a break from our golden shoes just because it's a little bit hard to kind of get all those together uh, from previous submissions to have enough to run. So my invitation to you is to you know keep sending those in. We'll obviously get back to our live golden shoe stuff again when I return uh, next Monday after uh, a little bit of a vacation time. So I certainly appreciate that. Also, as I told Jeff Centel, we're going to have some conversation here this week with him and Connor Riley and Mike Griffith when they join us next week about you know your your Mount Rushmore of Georgia players who should be on that we haven't really done that a lot with our vacation shows but that was kind of a fun thing to do here for right now so if you want to weigh in on that with me we'd love to have some of those submissions from you there too I'll also remind you this lousy stinking Gators talked about them a moment ago about 253 days from right now they get another beatdown. maybe one of the last ones to ever happen in Jacksonville but either way Georgia will be dealing it out that is our Gator Hater Countdown we'll see you Monday Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger